Welcome to Tax Notes Talk, a podcast from Tax Notes, the leading source of tax news, information, and analysis. Welcome to the podcast. I'm David Stewart, Editor-in-Chief of Tax Notes Today International. Before we begin, I'd like to give an update on our recording process amid the coronavirus pandemic. As we practice social distancing to limit the spread of the virus, we'll be assembling the Tax Notes Talk podcast remotely. I'm currently recording from my basement, and our interview will be conducted over the phone, so sound quality will be a little more variable than usual. Thank you for your patience, and I hope you stay healthy. This week, coronavirus recession. With shuttered schools and mandatory lockdowns, the U.S. and much of the world is grappling with the coronavirus and trying to limit its spread. What short- and long-term effects will this have on the economy, and how are policymakers responding? Joining me now by phone is tax analyst, chief economist, and contributing editor Martin Sullivan. Marty, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me, David. How are you today? Doing well, keeping healthy. So here in the U.S. and around the world, we've been asked to do social distancing, which is basically bringing all non-essential activity to a halt. Are we now in a recession from that? Well, the data is not in yet, but I don't think you need data to understand with all the stores closed and all of the revenue not coming into retailers and restaurants that we're going to have a severe slowdown. The projections right now for jobless claim numbers will be over 3 million when they come out later this week. And I was just looking at some data this morning. You have about 10 million people in the United States working in restaurants about another 10 million working in the retail sector. Just those 20 million people, if even one quarter of them get laid off, that's 5 million. And that's an increase in the unemployment rate of three or four percentage points. That's what we can see right now on the horizon. So yes, I'm afraid we are right about to enter a recession. Once you find yourself in a recession, what's the best way to get back out? Let me answer that in two parts. Uh, First, I want to give the textbook answer, which is partially the right answer, which is what we want it to do is the government to act fast, which it is doing now. We want it to have big stimulus. And since we're talking about $2 trillion, that's big in anybody's playbook. And then three, what we want is to direct those monies to people who are going to spend, and that's low-income people and people who are unemployed. And that also is what the government, uh, the fiscal plan is doing right now. So on all of those counts, we seem to be doing pretty well. The second part of the answer is that this recession is different from other recessions because it's health-related. And so we need a different type of response on the supply side. And obviously, to any extent, we can help snuff out this virus and the illness that comes with it, that is beneficial to the economy. So we want spending and smart thinking on antivirus measures as a first priority. And then after that, we're looking to help the victims, whether they be from health or from financial circumstances, to target the benefits to them and to small businesses. Well, let's flesh out that question of getting the money into the people's hands who need it. How do you get money to the people that need it right now? We've gone through a little evolution over the last few weeks. First, we were talking about payroll tax relief, and then we were talking about sending checks directly to Americans and also about providing extra unemployment benefits. Now, the payroll tax relief has fallen off the table because you're just not going to get enough money to people fast enough. And it's not so well targeted. The checks to individuals, which will probably be administered through the IRS, will go to anybody who is filing a tax return. Big question about if you don't file a tax return, how we're going to get the money to you. The other 
delivery mechanism is to extend unemployment benefits. And that's especially good from the humanitarian side and from the economic stimulus side, because that's going to the people who most need it, people who have just lost their jobs. So there's a variety of mechanisms out there for providing those direct funds. And then if you want to talk about it, indirectly providing funds by helping employers provide benefits to their employees. What sort of measures can you use indirectly like that? Well, as you probably have heard, there's a lot of discussion about lending to large businesses. So hopefully they will maintain their employment. And not just hopefully, the provision of these loans may be conditional upon maintaining employment levels. And for small businesses, there are similar provisions, perhaps with not the conditions that you maintain employment, but with the hope that the businesses are getting this lending of these loans, they will maintain employment. And then also, and this is very important for us tax people, is there's a lot of discussion about, it's not clear if it's in the final bill yet, but there's a lot of discussion about tax deferral or postponement of tax payments for a year or two. And this will give businesses extra liquidity, again, with the hope that they will maintain their payrolls. Now, every recession seems to have its own challenges. And this one at least seems unique within my lifetime. What are the unique features of this recession and the challenges that it faces in answering it? Well, the the most outstandingly unique feature of this recession is in prior recessions, the easy objective to follow was we want to stimulate. We want you to go out and spend. We want you to go back to normal. We want you to do all those economic activities that you normally do as soon as possible and proceed with confidence. Because this is a health-related recession, and in particular, having to do with transmittable disease, health policy pushes us in exactly the opposite direction. We want you to stay home. We want you to not do things that you normally do, not go out to work, not go out to shop. And so this is a fundamental dilemma that we're facing now, where on the one hand, economic policy, we want to stimulate. But as far as health policy is concerned, we want you to isolate. And so this is causing, I think, us to really rethink the way we do macroeconomic policy in this recession. Now, with everything grinding to a halt so fast, what are these concerns I'm hearing about liquidity? In the prior recession, in the 2007-2009 financial crisis, the root cause of that economic collapse was in the financial markets. And so here, in this situation, the root cause is health-related, and the secondary effect is problems in the financial markets and problems with finance. And you can break this into three parts. One is, as in the prior recession, we need to pump liquidity into financial markets, into financial institutions to prevent a breakdown of the financial system. That doesn't matter to everyday folks, but it certainly matters to the financial markets. The other two things is we have finance for small businesses being immediately a problem because if you're a restaurant owner, nobody's coming in through your door, you have no cash coming in, but you still have to pay bills and hopefully you're still paying payroll. So the need for bridge financing for liquidity is immediate and severe because small businesses don't have access to credit markets. And then finally, large businesses also have financing problems, but the nature of that is different. They do have access to financial markets. They are sophisticated players, but nevertheless, because everybody is pulling back in the dash for cash, they also are needing extended credit facilities. So the liquidity problems are central to this recession. Now, how do you best address a liquidity crunch in a time like this? 
Well, one thing that's different about this recession from prior recessions is that the Federal Reserve has limited capabilities in what it can do. And specifically what we're talking about here is because interest rates are already so close to zero, they really can't lower them much anymore. So what can be done is on the Federal Reserve side, there is a massive injection of liquidity from the central bank. They're lending to money market funds. They're extending terms of credit to banks. And now there is this facility which is going to provide direct lending to businesses. So this is just an incredible injection of cash. On the tax side, on the fiscal side, we have, as we're speaking right now, the Congress is about to approve lending facilities provided by the Treasury Department to large and small businesses. And then thirdly, and I think this is kind of an an intriguing idea, it's an interesting delivery mechanism, that instead of having government send you money or making you a loan, why don't we have you not send the government those tax payments that are due? And that's what you're seeing with these postponements of cash payments. Some of it's already in the works because Treasury has the administrative authority to do that. And some of it right now is being negotiated in this bill, which is just about to be released. So you've brought up this bill. And now I should mention to the audience that we're recording this on Wednesday morning, the 25th of March. So we know that there has been an agreement reached, but we don't quite have the details on it yet. So based on what we do know, Marty, how good of a response is this to the current crisis? I think Congress and the administration deserves credit for acting boldly and quickly and targeting relief to the sectors that need it most. That is, the people most in need, the healthcare sector, and those liquidity-strapped businesses. Now, is everything in this bill pretty? No. But in general, if you take a step back and blur your eyes, and you asked me three weeks ago, what do I hope they would do? They're basically doing it. So uh, I'd give them at least a B-plus on this bill. So I guess with a $2 trillion program coming, should we be concerned about the deficit at all going forward? Well, we should always be concerned about the deficit, but if there's ever a time to not be concerned about it, it is right now. You see, this is a crisis. This is the time to borrow. This is the time to pull out all the stops. The other thing to note is that interest rates are extremely low right now. And so the financial costs to the government of doing this are less than they would have been, let's say, 20 years ago when we had a recession in the turn of the century. This is no time to be worrying about the deficit. And in fact, if you didn't have a strong economic policy response, the deficit might grow even larger because of the weakened economy. Well, Marty, this has been great. I thank you for joining me, and I hope you stay healthy. You too, Dave. Take care. Thanks for having me. And now, coming attractions. Each week, we preview commentary that will be appearing in the Tax Notes magazines. Joining me from her home is content and acquisitions manager, Faye McRae. Faye, what will you have for us? Thank you, Dave. In Tax Notes Federal, practitioners from KPMG examine a new approach to transfer pricing enforcement. Eric Lapata argues that an NOL carryback provision in the COVID-19 relief legislation will not have the intended stimulus effect. In Tax Notes State, the advisory board members address tax issues related to the digital economy. Gary Fujita, Michelle DeLape, and Greg Barton compare the Oregon and Washington gross receipt taxes. In Taxnos International, Matthias Millet and Roger Smith discuss a technical interpretation on the application of anti-hybrid rules in the Canada-U.S. tax treaty. Eduardo Brandt discusses Mexico's new entity classification rules. 
and on the opinions page. Joseph Thorndike writes that Americans may emerge from the coronavirus pandemic with more of an acceptance of the taxes used to pay for governmental spending. And Roxanne Bland looks at the increased use of telemedicine during the COVID-19 pandemic. You can read all that and a lot more in the March 30th editions of Tax Notes Federal, State, and International. That's it for this week. You can follow me online at taxstu, that's S-T-E-W. If you have any comments, questions, or suggestions for a future episode, you can email us at podcast at taxanalyst.org. And as always, if you like what we're doing here, please leave a rating or review wherever you download this podcast. We'll be back next week with another episode of Tax Notes Talk. Tax Notes Talk is a production of Tax Notes. You can learn more about us by visiting www.taxnotes.com slash podcast. When major media wants the straight story, they turn to Tax Notes. Thank you for listening, and join us again for another edition of Tax Notes Talk. Tax Analyst Inc. does not provide tax advice or tax preparation services. Nothing in the podcast constitutes legal, accounting, or tax advice. A full disclaimer is included in the transcript.